Ladies and gentlemen, please notice that exits are conveniently located at the front and rear of this auditorium. When leaving the theater, we suggest that the exit at the front of the auditorium will allow you easier access to the parking areas. Thank you. And away we go. That's, a, that's right. a new thing I'm working on. <laughs> when you always love that, let's I just love the, the question. I don't want to into that. There are some, I'm not saying this is a good movie. Oh, what? That is Finnish Willem Dafoe. He, he looks, looks just like Willem Dafoe. He, I thought he looked very familiar. You're, don't throw out a fact. You are correct. You're brother, correct. you should do some facts sometimes. Do some facts sometimes, but I don't take my <laughs> I'm pretty confident your brother doesn't listen to the Forgotten Single Podcast, but if he does, boo! Hi. I'm Mike Butler. And I'm Mike Field. And you are listening to the Forgotten Cinema Podcast. Each episode, we highlight a film that, for a variety of reasons, was forgotten by audiences. Whether it be because a more popular movie was released at the same time, or the film simply didn't catch on with an audience in its initial run. We'll discuss what we love about the movie, or perhaps don't love about it, and decide whether the movie is worth a revisit, which we always feel it is. If you enjoy our podcast, please feel free to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening to this podcast. That's uh, right. All right. Hey, we're back. All right. I think we said that last time. No. Last time was the Mortal Kombat one. Last one was the Mortal Kombat right. one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Let's get going. <laughs> <laughs> no, no chit chat. Right to the movie. It was a cloudy day in uh, mid-October. Okay. Mike Field was at his microphone. It was a normal day for him. Excellent. <laughs> I'm, I'm waiting. What's going on? So I was just doing the intro. For, oh, uh, do, oh okay, Doing okay. it like a crime noir. Uh, that's right. Because we're doing actually our first sequel. Yes. Yes. I, uh, I said this last week. Uh, we are doing the Two Jakes, which is a sequel to the iconic Chinatown. So real quickly, let me break down this uh, film synopsis for you that I, that I happened to uh, <clears throat> find on Google. Private investigator and war veteran Jake Giddies is hired by real estate developer Jake Berman. Get it? The Two Jakes. For some run-of-the-mill matrimonial work. After Berman shoots his wife's lover, who happens to be his own business partner, Giddis is drawn into a web of conspiracy and deceit involving the oil reserves beneath Los Angeles. While investigating, Giddis hears a voice from his past that causes him to revisit a traumatic case in Chinatown. If anyone dun, feels like that dun, lacked emotion. Dun. That doesn't lack emotion. What are you talking about? That was an awesome synopsis that I did I, not have to bumble yeah, my way through. I feel like it didn't come from the heart. It, it came. It, well, you know what? I have a cold heart, so <laughs> it, it definitely came from that heart. So The Two Jakes uh, was released on Friday, August 10th, 1990. It has a runtime of 137 minutes. It's rated R because there's some foul language in there and some violence. Right? A little bit of violence. Yeah. No, not much. Yeah. Production budget of $19 million. It's opening weekend. It did $3.7 million. Domestic, $10 million. Worldwide, not available, which probably means that they didn't release it uh, worldwide. Or I, though I do, it did have uh, a UK release, but... I was going to say, I'd be surprised if Jack... It didn't make enough, a lot there. of money. Cause, uh, so right off the bat, I think we all know why it's forgotten. But I would suppose that it's also forgotten for a variety of other reasons, which we will get into. Yeah. So... As I said, it was released on the 10th of August, 1990, the same day as Air America, starring Mel Gibson and Robert okay, Downey yep. Jr., and Flatliners, the original Flatliners, not the remake, obviously, because that was a couple years ago. You saw both of those, right? I didn't see the remake. I didn't care to. Well, not the remake. I'm talking about Air America. Oh, both of yeah, the original? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen Flatliners in Air America. Yes. remake of Flatliners. That's not what we're here for. Uh, <laughs> the week before the two Jakes on August 3rd, uh, you had Young Guns 2. I've seen that. DuckTales the movie. I've definitely seen that. And in a limited release, Mo Better Blues. You've never have you seen Mo Better Blues? I know of it, but I don't think I've seen it. Yeah, it's, it's not bad. Um, so, I mean, we're in the tail end of the summer in the 90s. So that's, you know, when you're in you know, second week of August. I mean, I don't really think that this is a summer movie per se. I think this is more a honestly, it's probably more of a September movie. Um, mm, and, and August, I mean. You want some big, you want heavy. I mean, I get it though. It's Nicholson. So he is a heavy hitter. Yeah. And um, Batman was 89. 89 yeah. So, you're so he's hot off. off of that. Yeah. Which he's playing the same character for Batman. We'll get into that. <laughs> so, which was, uh, yeah, we'll get into that. So anyways, uh, directed by Jack Nicholson. He uh, had a uh, dual hats on this role. I think he was a producer too. So directed by Jack Nicholson. He's only directed a couple other movies. Uh, you, you, you've probably never seen them. I haven't. Uh, Going South and Drive, he said. Uh, written by Robert Town, who wrote the original Chinatown. He's also responsible for the Parallax View. Have you seen that? That's with um, Warren Beatty. 
It's like a conspiracy. It's really good. What's it about? I think I've seen it. Oh man, he's like a reporter or a journalist, and he uncovers something. It's kind of it's it's very it's not it's around the time that the last one we did the Star Chamber. It's around that time. It's called the Parallax View. Uh, shampoo. That's also what Warren Brady. That's actually pretty good. Uh, Mission Impossible, the first one. The last detail with Jack Nicholson. Tequila Sunrise and Days of Thunder. So Robert Town is. Uh, I see most. He's of a heavyweight. Him, yeah. He's an absolute heavyweight. Um, I have seen the Parallax. Okay, excellent. It's not. It's pretty good. It's definitely it's seventies. It's definitely seventies, yes. but it's pretty good. That's not a that's not a cut. Um, <laughs> <laughs> music by Van Dyke Parks, who uh, is responsible for Going South, surprisingly, uh, and The Departed. And I wrote this in there because this movie is so absurd. Casual sex with the question mark. <laughs> Do you remember that? Yeah. Oof. Cinematography. I, I said this guy's name wrong last time we did this. Mo- one of his movies, I think, uh, is by uh, Vilmo Sigmund. Right. I I, I feel like you're saying it. Right. I really I really I should like, like learn some of these people's it. names. No, I don't want to because I don't want to. Oh, well, he has that. passed away. I don't want to insult his uh you know his estate. He is uh famous for Close Encounters, Deer Hunter, Deliverance, Real Genius. He's also he's famous for a, a bunch of movies, not just those four, but those are the four I put put down here. And produced by Robert Evans, who also produced the original Chinatown Marathon Man, Popeye. Robert Evans is also a heavyweight in in, in the biz, so it's got some people behind it. And uh, yeah. That's it. Those are the facts. Nice. Let's get to it. All right. Did you hate it? <laughs> I liked it. At, I, I started really liking it. And then about a half hour in, the movie stops. Well, there's a couple things that there's a couple points I want to kind of like hit. So right off the bat, because I, I had seen this. I had seen this at home. I did not see this in the theater. And uh, I have not seen and I've only seen it once. So uh, I remember when I watched it, I remember being like, oh, wow, I, I actually kind of like this movie. I, that's not that bad. And I think part of the reason why I like that is because I'm a sucker for those kind of mystery. I figured that's right. I like, like the that. noir. I like that. Um, I definitely like that time period. Uh, yeah. You know, this is this take place in the in 48. Yep. 11 years after uh, Chinatown took place in 37, I believe. That the 14 years. Was it Chinatown. 14 years? I think they say that in the movie. Why do I think I'm it's 37, though? I literally just watched Chinatown too. <laughs> I mean, no, they might have no, said one thing and it was I, the other. So I, I have right. it on my notes. It says that it takes place eleven years. Well, then maybe they regardless. say fourteen in the yeah, wrong. Regardless, yeah. it, right. Chinatown's in the it, Chinatown's basically takes place before the war. This takes place after World War Two. So, because in in between, Jake has gone and fought for for the for America in, yes. in World War Two, and which is it's kind of brought up once, but never really. He brings it up twice. Yeah, but it's never really but, like yeah, he comes it's back. It's not he important to the story. Right. He doesn't have any war buddies. He doesn't like it's just kind of <laughs> like no injury. There's nothing right, like that. Anything. No, no, no effects or whatever. Not that there should be, but I mean, it's a massive world war. You would think that your life changes, obviously, drastically. It would have made his character a little more interesting. Ooh, that's a shot. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> so, so again, so. I don't think you necessarily needed to see Chinatown before this movie. Not at all. But I didn't realize that there was a lot of stuff. If you have watched Chinatown, that you kind of it helped you appreciate a little bit more about this movie, about the two Jakes. Yeah, I thought I I thought that. I mean, like, obviously, you know, because Catherine Mulray is in this. Um, played by Meg Tilly. Oh, I didn't even get into the cast. Um, oh, what did I do? What did I do? You know what? I didn't scroll down. So I'm sorry. Real quick. Real quick. I apologize. <laughs> Uh, Jake Giddis is obviously Jack Nicholson. Jake Berman is played by Harvey Keitel. Kitty Berman, who is Meg Tilly, who is also actually Catherine Mulray. Spoilers! Well, it's not a spoiler. Uh, <laughs> uh, she's, uh, anyways. Uh, Lillian Bodine is played by Madeline Stowe. Cotton Weinberger is Eli Wallach. He, you, um, you may know Eli Wallach from Mag- the original Magnificent Seven, The Good, Bad, and the Ugly. Mickey Nice is played by Ruben Blades. Uh, I know him from a lot of things, but I also always remember from Predator 2. <laughs> um, Loesch is played by David Keith, who's actually playing the son of the guy in the first movie, uh, Loesch, in the, in the first one, who actually killed Evelyn Mulray. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So that, that was interesting. David Keith is from Firestarter. He played the father in Firestarter. Uh, for anyone out there. And he's an officer and gentleman. And, and I have Earl Raleigh down here because I have Richard Farnsworth who plays Earl Raleigh. The only reason I have is Richard Farnsworth is the oldest Oscar nominated for uh, 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 oldest actor nominated for an Oscar for the straight story. He's also in The Natural, which I love, and he's in Misery. But yeah, so, so sorry. Okay, so back to what we were talking about. I apologize <laughs> for breaking going through that. Um, I don't even know where we were, but you know, good. I don't, I don't remember. <laughs> 
All right. Um, where do we start? Let's start. I don't with know the because most there's, there's a bunch of things I want. Let, yeah. Let's start with Jake. Let's start with his character and oh. how he is no longer. He's. I like Jack Nicholson, and I, he's yeah. fun to watch, and he's still fun in this movie. I think if it wasn't him in the title role, I would I would have stopped watching. <laughs> if we if we weren't doing right, the cast, I right. would stop. <laughs> but he's not the Jake from Chinatown no. anymore. But no. I feel like that's a lot of actors when they get around. I don't want to say that old, but maybe that much prestige because I think it's different with everybody. They they just start playing themselves and they just rely on uh, I'm the brand. I'll just be me, and I think that's a detriment to their skills as an actor. But at this point, I think he's Jack Napier from Batman, and he's just like I'm going to stick with that. This is my this is my crime, Jack. Yeah, um, I read I read somewhere that he said he gained weight for this role because he wanted he wanted Jake Giddies to settle in, quote unquote. But here's the problem. You were this. You were that weight for Batman. Mm-hmm. So, I kind of don't buy that. I also feel like he hasn't lost it since. Well, but he's. But I. But listen, he's. Uh, he's early fifties in this one. He's doing. Yeah, this I, mean, one. I, I okay. know he's a little older. So at this no, 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 so, yeah. that's fine. I mean, but I, I don't have a. I don't have a necessarily an issue with that he put on weight or that he's. He's obviously looks different than he did sixteen years prior. Yeah. That this is what it is. I think when you. And I think this is one of the things this is probably going to come up throughout the cast is just the comparison factor. When you compare his character in Chinatown to his character in the two Jakes, it's very different. He is, like you said, he's more Joker like in the two Jakes than he and he had those mannerisms that he has are more similar to his character from Batman than it is his character from Chinatown. I don't when I watched China, so I watched the two Jakes maybe a couple of days ago. I watched Chinatown this morning before we did this cast, mm-hmm. and it's very evident. You're just watching it. He's very like I wouldn't say he's a cool customer, but he's just low key. He's playing it. He's playing kind of tight stoic, right? In Chinatown, yeah. He's like the same way Harrison Ford is in Blade Runner. He's that noir character, right? Right. And, and here he's not. Yeah, and I. It's almost like, and I've I've brought this up before on the cast. The difference between how Bruce Willis has played John McClane in the Die Hard series between one, two, and three, and five. I've I've always said that five feels grumpy old man like. I like that you bring this up because the last episode that released is when you talk about this. <laughs> So like he's grumpy old man like in five, but in the other ones, it's all he's like, oh, man, I got to do this shit again. Like he's annoyed, but like it's a, like it's an annoyance like like, oh, you know, he's going to get it done. Right. And the in the fifth one and fifth Die Hardy, it's like, oh, man, it's like he's like, I just want to go home and watch TV. Like, it's a it's joke. Not, like he knows he's invincible. Yeah. So but yeah. So right off the bat with the two Jakes, it's a, it seems like it's a different Giddis. And does 16 years do that to you? I mean, maybe. 16 years of trauma of seeing the woman you love gunned down in front of you. I mean, that's what I don't get. Yeah, it's like, yeah. He says, oh, the past is haunting. And, and you see a little bit of that in the 15 minute sequence where he looks at pictures from Chinatown, which we don't need. Um, <laughs> and that's where the movie kind of starts to go downhill for me. You're talking about when he's. Oh, yeah. There's a. Well, here's the other thing with that. Not that I want to take out, take your train of thought. There's a couple things in this movie that I know he's directing. And I know he's only done like maybe four or five movies that. Not necessarily that like, oh, that's an amateur director, but there are definitely style choices that he makes that are evident. And I think one of them is like he holds shots long. Yeah. You know, like so the opening shot, which I think is funny because the opening shot is Harvey Keitel, uh, Jake Berman's character, looking at pictures of his wife. And he's like, oh, uh," but like that's the opening of Chinatown with Burt Young, who's who when he um, he's showing the guy that his wife's Burt Young. Yeah. Burt Young. Uh, I haven't seen it in so long. Yeah. So he's showing him and you hear, oh, God, like that's the thing. Like, so it kind of starts the same. Oh, no. Oh, no, Kitty. How could you? You told me you were going to the beauty parlor in Hollywood. And now I find you here just where they said I'd find you in room 19H of the Bird of Paradise Motel. Of the Bird of Paradise Motel in Redondo Beach. But in that shot, when Berman's looking at the photos in the two Jakes, you just see his shoes. Um, You see, get his shoes. And he, I'm thinking like, okay, he's going to like, it's going to be like a reveal. It's going to be a rack focus reveal when he moves the shoes and you see Berman looking at the photos, but it's not, it's, it holds on the shoes and he, he kind of like opens his shoes a couple of times. You kind of see somebody back there. And it's, it's like yeah. a weird, it, it went on a little too long for me. And I was just like, I mean, I get it, but like, you're not revealing anything off that. You're just showing shoes. And, and then obviously gets into the scene and stuff like that. Right. Yeah. There's a couple times like that where I was like, 
he holds shots a little long. And I think that's just, I think maybe that's his style, whether it's negative or positive. I just, I noticed it. It may, it, it, I took notice of it to the point where I wrote it down, obviously. <laughs> I just think that the whole picture, uh, newspaper notes scene is unnecessary. Like you said, you don't need to have watched Chinatown right. to have watched this. So why bring it up so much at that, at that point, you can just have him mention it, have him, you show those two clips where he's in the orange field, he gets shot. He is like that, or he has a pass there. He can have a slight exposition of, oh, I'm looking. Oh, he does. I'm looking for the daughter. He, he, OK, I get it. You talk about the voiceover, the voiceover, not even just the voiceover. But when he goes and he talks to um, Khan and he's like, where is she? I, I get it. Right. At that point, you don't need this. Probably I, I say 15, but it was probably 10 minutes of him looking yeah. through these newspapers. And it's like at 30 minutes into like I didn't notice the movie picked up until like the 45 minute range. I actually looked at my timeline and went like, how long was that? <laughs> it like just dragged it down and from then on i never recovered at my interest of the movie i was pretty into it and then i, I lost interest oh wow interesting um well back to Khan. so he goes and sees Khan, and Khan they go and have that tea mm-hmm. right okay um did you notice the shot there so they have they start there's a long pullback it's the the ocean mm-hmm. and it pulls back and you see them sitting together they're in a two yeah and it's very like i couldn't tell if they were in front of a screen or not oh i think they were there I, okay cool because here's what I'm going to say. Maybe they weren't, but that's okay, I, I okay. agree. I think they were, too. But I, I also like there's a back of my mind. I'm thinking, I don't think they're there. So it pulls back. They do the shot. Now, the, the way that the 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 two shot is, it's very it's not muted. It's not desaturated. It's just not colored. It's not colorful. Right. It's just very like kind of like one note almost. Then they cut to the ones and and the ones are like brighter greener but they have the trees behind each of them greener brighter contrast is the deeper it's like it's like a different it was, it's almost like it was shot by a different person and then you go back to the the two of the two shot and it's the same muted color scheme i'm like okay are you that made me think like are you not there are you not is that a green screen look or did you just because there's another did you just like light differently the one to the two which is very off-putting. But there was another moment when Lillian overdoses, mm-hmm. uh, Madeline Stowe's character, yeah. and he's on the porch and he's talking, and the eye light because they have the eye light. I yeah, the eye light. It was, yeah. it was off. It, it was, was low. It was on his, his cheeks. Yeah, and I'm like, <laughs> what? Like it was like uh, that's. And then a couple times it was up and it was fine. I'm like, what's going on with the eye light there? I, I mean, feel like they, he's not checking anything. He's just like, all right, shoot it. It's very difficult to do both things. I mean, I I've tried. That, but you cinematographer should be like, check. Can you scooch down? <laughs> like get, get it in your eyes like he should be relying on other people to help him when he's the director uh, you right when you're directing and acting in something you need to rely on your cinematographer i think a little bit more mm-hmm. and you have to trust them to make a like not come up with the shots but make adjustments on their own mm-hmm. and maybe he didn't well this production had problems the this production was meant to go four years prior and so it was going to and robert town was going to direct it and nicholson was in there Robert Evans was going to play the second Jake, not Keitel. So the producer who has very little acting experience was going to play the second Jake. But um, town didn't think that would play well. He didn't like that. They had a fight. They had a fight. They kind of production went down. They had lawsuits like they were like at each other's throat. Like Nicholson had to mend the relationship and it took like four years. So this to mend the relationship. So this movie was meant to be much, much earlier. And, you know. So I guess maybe that's something to be said for, you know, Nicholson steps in as director. You're not hey going to come on yet. down to the Playboy Mansion. I'll give you guys a couple of bunnies. We'll talk. <laughs> I mean, you're not going to. I mean, plants. Roman Polanski directed the directed China. Oh, town. yeah. You're not getting him back. You aren't getting him back for the two Jakes for reasons. I'm sure everyone already knows. So uh, it's an odd choice that Nicholson steps in to do it. I'm almost thinking like he just stepped in to appease it. It probably would have benefited from another director coming in. I would think. Probably. Yeah. They probably wouldn't have been so, I don't want to say he was self-indulgent, but yeah, you know, honed him in maybe a little bit more. Right. The relationship between an actor and director when you're figuring out your film is before the film, you sit down, a good director and actor in a good (laughs) film, you sit down and you talk out your character and you talk out what your character is going to be like. And you read through it a little bit and you really rehearse and you really practice and you really go through what's on the character's mind. And, And if you're really good, you build out a little backstory for the character, which I'm sure Robert Town and Jack Nicholson did like what has Jake been up to for these years but you don't see it in his performance and I think that's because he's director and the actor so all his conversations he might have had with himself were all insular or maybe just with Robert Town who's 
he's more of a writer, not a director. So right. I've always, well, I read somewhere, well, when I was reading about the production having problems, like one of the things was like Nicholson was annoyed because it takes him a year to build the, to work on the character. Mm-hmm. So all that work went for naught back in back four years prior to when they did this. Right. And I've, I've always said when we've done stuff or I've done stuff before, like, you know, I've been in some of my own stuff and I'm not saying I'm a great actor at, and by any stretch of the imagination, but like if I was going to be like when I did puzzle maker son, right. Which we are both in together. That would have been much easier for me to do if I wasn't directing it. I think because then oh, I would I'm sure. been able just to focus on that, which I, you know, and so I don't ever think I will do something like that where it's going to be directing myself because I just, it's, I'd rather be focusing on one thing. You know what I mean? It's tough, but at least right. when, when you did it, at least you had, when going back to the camera angles, you had your buddy Adrian, who's yeah. a cinematographer, and you talked things out with him and you allowed him to kind of come up with ideas and help you out. Sure. Yeah. I don't think Jack Nicholson's that kind of guy. You don't think he's going to be listening to, uh, I'm not going to say the guy's I, name again. <laughs> I just don't know if Jack, Nich- I, I think Jack Nicholson's a really cool guy, right. but I don't know if he's really a team player because at this point he is so big. I really don't know. Honestly, I don't really, I mean, I think I like the fact that I don't really know a lot about Nicholson because he, he became big in a time when it wasn't splashed all over the world. Right. You know that Jack Nicholson's a fun guy. Right. That's about it. He, likes, th- he likes the party. He likes to hang out. Do you think his persona is bigger than his, his, do you think that his the fame of his persona is bigger than the fame of his career? No, I don't think his party guy persona is bigger than well, his Well, give me like roles, give but. me five movies that you can tell me are quintessential Jack Nicholson movies. I can only give you maybe 3. Batman as good as it gets. Oh, really? Chinatown? Batman as the Joker? He okay, all right, all right. All right, all right, all right. Okay, He's okay. Really good. All right, all right. Uh, don't look at his IMDb. I'm not I'm on the 2 Jake's IMDb. <laughs> I am just looking down to think. You're not even saying the most iconic one. The Shining. The Shining, right. Now, what about One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest? Yep. I mean, the last detail is good. Five easy pieces. See, that's uh, what I'm saying. Like, they're, they're... Oh, man. How would I... What? You can't handle the truth. What? Oh, um, Few Good Men. Few Good Men, yeah. 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 That's about... Because then you got your... your yeah. That's a stoic Jack. You got your crazy mm-hmm, Jack. You got mm-hmm. your Jack Nicholson... Or, Batman Jack, yeah, as good as it gets. He's fantastic and as good as it gets. Well, he won the Oscar. Exactly. Yeah. It's like, yeah, he's he's a good actor. He's won three Oscars. Terms of, but he, he, Terms of Endearment, he won the Oscar right. for it, right? It's just like he's not, and none of those really fit into his party guy, Jack. No, I'm not saying, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not, but I'm but saying, maybe I'm not saying he's, uh, he's a great actor. What I'm right. saying is though, is he more famous for being Jack Nicholson? You know what he does goes to the Lakers games, does everything. You know, I don't think so. Or is he more famous for the work? I think he's more famous for the work. You think so? I think he's one actor where it's 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 split apart. You can look at Jack Nicholson, you think okay, party guy, but you think of his right. body of work and you don't think of right. the, the the party mm-hmm. guy. He has since retired, so I know that he doesn't do. It. I think he's got some uh, memory issues as well. That's I've I've heard yeah. that. Yeah. Which is on which hey, it happens. Going to happen to everyone. So yep. it, that's you know whatever that doesn't mean nothing. Nope. But anyways, but. While we're talking about the acting, I want to talk about Madeline Stowe. Okay. I want to talk about, I want to talk about Lillian Bodine. Now, a couple things. One, do you think that the note for her was, can you be as annoying as possible? Can you be as like, oh my God, what are we? When they're fighting and they end up having sex and which is just odd in and of itself. That made me uncomfortable. Yeah. Like I'm trying to be a gentleman here. Scene. Get on your knees. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Turn away <laughs> and put your ass up in here. I'm like, What's happening? (laughs) Lillian, honestly, I'm trying to be a gentleman about this. Just get down on your knees. Get on your knees. Stick your ass up in the air. Don't move until I tell you. And like, why? And like, it, it. I, I know we're going to go off topic, but like in that scene when he, when there, she's play fighting with him and, and or whatever she's, whatever she's doing. And then it ends up they're having sex and they're going to have sex. And he looks, he's acting like he's an old man. Like he can't, Oh, I was going to say, he's like exactly. He's like, I thought wet. he was drugged. I was yeah. like, he's going to pass out. There's something going and on. And I don't know what exactly that was. I don't know what exactly what we're doing here. His character's only supposed to be in his fifties. So how is he like that? I, yeah, I didn't. I thought something was going to happen there where he was going to conk out. I thought something was wrong with him. I thought something was like he was acting like he was in his early 70s 
and he couldn't handle any of this. Yeah. And it was like he was he was having heart palpitations or something. Uh, I didn't I didn't get it. I just, I just didn't get that scene. But like her character, I didn't because she does it in the courtroom, too, when she doesn't hear the cheers. The tape's been changed. And yeah. She's like, oh, it's changed. That's not the one I heard. And she's really like, what's the word I'm looking for? She is just too exuberant. I guess like just yeah, just too like manic. And I don't know. I don't. And I'm all I'm saying is I don't understand that. No, I don't understand that 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 acting note. What she's doing, I don't know what she's doing. Her character is all over the place the entire film, and I don't know if it's to make you not know what she's up to, to make her seem like she's got her own agenda. Mm-hmm. But it it does not play well, and there's no reveal toward the middle that explains anything. Well, her other whole, than she's trying to kill herself her, at one point. That's her it. whole thing. She 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 doesn't factor into anything with to do with the plot, which I, I said the synopsis, but we really didn't break down the plot. So the plot's all over the place. It is, but basically, what ends up happening is Berman sets up Giddis to he wants him to record. He wants to basically kill his business partner, but he wants to be able to do it legally. So he sets up Giddis to say like you know like oh she he's sleeping with my wife, and then there's not supposed to be a gun in the room before Berman goes into the hotel room. They're in the other, they're in the room adjacent to them and they're recording it. And, uh, but what ends up happening is Mickey nice, who was a gangster is friends with Jake Berman plants a gun in there. So when he goes in, he gets the gun, he kills, he kills the business partner. And it's going to be like, he's going to get off because he was defending his wife's honor. Or, or no, they said that Berman brought, they said the other guy brought the gun, the, uh, the guy that he's having sex, Bodine. Right. Yeah. He brought the gun. And so that's what they were saying. And then it, it you know, the cops are trying to get the tape, the recording from Jake. Everyone's trying to get the tape from Giddis. And he's like, he's being coy. He doesn't have it or he does, but he does have it. He's just right. kind of like, you know, fending he, him off. He's and, sitting on it until he can figure out right. what he's, he doesn't do. like, yeah, he doesn't like the fact that he was put in this position, which is very similar to Chinatown. He doesn't like being made a fool right. in Chinatown. There's, there's honestly, there's extreme, there's very simple. There's a lot of similarities between the plot as well. Uh, from the first and second film. And you just, you end up finding out that what Berman's business is that he's building homes for GIs. He's building these homes, not actually where the groves were in Chinatown. He bought all that land because you end up finding out that he is actually married to Catherine Mulray, who she just signed and she changed her name because she knows she didn't want to be involved because her name has scandal attached to it. And because she knew that Giddis will be forced to, you know, defend Defend her her, and, and she wanted to keep him protected. And, you know, he ends up finding he all he wants to make sure is that that she's OK. And, you know, he ends up like he like she's a, uh, his daughter almost. Wait, basically, yeah, he it, feels that way. You know? Right. So but then but then what you find out is that there's oil underneath that there's oil that's underneath the the orange groves. There's oil underneath where um, Berman is trying to build his uh, his his homes. And when Mulray signed, when Catherine Mulray signed over the homes to, to Berman, she did not, she kept the mineral rights unbeknownst to her. So she owns all that oil. It's all hers. Right. Um, and so the oil company is trying to get that back or they're trying to, you know, whether it's to connive, they're trying to, they're trying to drill for oil without her knowing. Yes. This, this Richard Farnsworth character or Royley. Um, they're, they're basically like, and what's happening is there's pockets of gas that are just everywhere underneath the homes and whatnot. Which I guess is fracking. Yeah, they said that they are whip stocking. That's what they're timey word for it. Yeah, (laughs) maybe. We, I mean, we should have probably looked into that. We're not really a big uh, oil driller show, right? Well, speak for yourself. I mean, well, when when, when, I've seen Armageddon, I was gonna say when the (laughs) asteroid comes and they need you, I'm sure you can go up there and drill a big hole. (laughs) 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 But yeah, so so the so the plot is very, very much like the first one. The first one deals with. Uh, water, you know, the, 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 the creation of the valley of, right. you know, of how they're going to divert water to the valley and then just sell all that land. And it's worth like millions upon millions. He, I think he says it's worth $30 million and they're paid for. This one's about oil. This one's about how like, you know, oil uh, is, you know, in LA and how just kind of like this, that whole, like the corrupt system of that. Mm-hmm. There was going to be a third one. I had read that. Yeah, yeah it was going to be Giddis versus Giddis. It was about his divorce, which he wasn't even married. Uh, he didn't get married yet. It was supposed he's to be his fiance in this. Right. Movie. Yeah. But they break up at the end. She uh, gives him. She, she throws the ring in the in the water in the in the in right. The, yeah. The, not the water in the scotch and soda. The scotch. Yeah. Um. So, anyways, the third one was going to be about the the highway system, about uh, the pollution brought on brought upon by all the roads and all the highways and all the cars and all the automobiles so it's gonna it's like robert town's like trilogy of like corruption in la right so which which would i guess would have been interesting but after this movie after watching the two jicks i'm kind of glad they didn't do a third one yeah i think it would have 
probably tarnished Chinatown. Do you think that this tarnishes anything with Chinatown? Do you think it affects it? Because I, I'm, I'm gonna, say, I still enjoy. Like there was a chunk of about 45 minutes in this movie where I was. It, it I, it's a clunky start. I agree with you there. I like to start, but and then the 45 if, minutes in, I hate. Oh, see, but see, there was a chunk where he's trying to solve everything. He's trying. He's basically investigating where I was into it, and, right? You know, and, and then and the ending kind of just like, meh. like it just kind of like ends. All of a sudden, Mickey Nice is nice to him. There, there's character. The unintended. characters are the, like Jake's an okay character, even if he's not the same Jake. The other characters are all over the place, especially second Jake. Jake uh, Berman is is basically his character seems all over the place. Harvey Keitel, he's nice, he's mean, he's going to kill him. He's not going to kill him. He's crying. He's his best friend. Uh, the same with Mickey. Although Mickey, I feel Mickey and Jake probably have like a an old school private eye mob boss kind of relationship. You get the feeling that there's a history there. So I'm okay with him mm-hmm. kind of being okay with him. But yeah, the characters are all over the place and the plots all over the place. There are too many twists, too many turns. Yeah, you find out Berman has things. cancer. Yeah, yeah. It's like. The whole stuff with Loesch and the cops, they're like, I think they're forced in there. I don't think the, the cop angle is just kind of like. Oh, the cop angle goes yeah. nowhere other than making him piss his pants and bringing up yeah, Chinatown like, again. Not, not for nothing, but like, you know, he fired his gun in the station. Like he he and he, he basically tried to kill a dude in the station for punching him. Right. Uh, that I'm sorry, but I know it's 1948. No, it's L.A. I've seen L.A. Confidential and I know it's it was, you know, really bad back then. But like, there's no way he's coming back from that. Oh like, yeah, 30, 30 days of suspension with thirty days of suspension without pay. It's like that's it. <laughs> he just fired his gun three times into the floor. Get back! Get back! Get back where I start this mother! He's gonna suck on this until he dies. Suck it. Suck it! Suck it! But that goes nowhere, and that's everything is, has to be related to Chinatown for some reason. And it's like, all right, we get it. Chinatown is a fantastic movie. I, we don't need this many hints at Chinatown. It really draws you out, and it really slows the film down. Because his investigation, like you said, it, it it's pretty cool. Like I like mm-hmm. the first thirty minutes are really good. He's investigating, then it stops, and then he he goes into this sad Chinatown angle. <laughs> You sad man. And then he has this long-winded conversation with the oil guy, which is like that could have been cut short. And at that point, I'm just kind of like looking at my phone, going, "All right, when is this over?" <laughs> and it does pick back up, but it just it the middle of the film just really drags. Yeah, just a lot. Uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, but I don't think it tarnishes Chinatown. You can still watch Chinatown. And go, wow, that's a great movie. And it's maybe because Jack Nicholson plays a different Jake. Like it's almost like you're watching different. It movies. is. It does. It does feel like I'm watching two Giddis. I mean, even if you had somebody else play him, maybe that would have helped. I don't. I mean, it's it's Chinatown's really good, and it's it's only seven minutes shorter than the two Jakes. I think it's like a, a hundred and thirty minutes, but it flow it it flies. It yeah, it moves really well. Probably because I just watched it, so that's probably why well, I, I know that. You also don't have a case that connects to another case. You're, you're not, you don't have baggage mm-hmm. in the Chinatown, whereas you have baggage in this. You know, I would be interested to see the Giddis vs. Giddis just to complete it. But yeah, if if you recast, yeah, you're not going to remake Chinatown, right? You could remake the Two Jakes. You remake the Two Jakes. I think do Giddis vs. Giddis. Hopefully, it doesn't have that many callbacks. Put another older actor in there as a private eye and just make tell your story about mm-hmm. the uh, the air pollution thing. Mm-hmm. I'd be interested to see that. I, I very much like you. I, I think you like him a little more, but I, I very much like the old, you know, 1940s detective noirs, oh, and I don't yeah. think there's a lot of them out there nowadays. So I'm cool with you know, movie wise. Movie wise, yeah. I mean, I know TV shows keep popping like, up. I like Confidential's awesome, uh, but again, that's oh, like that's like 20 years so ago now. No, I know, but that, that movie's so good. I love that movie. But nowadays, what do you got? Um, you got Edward Norton's new movie. Well, that was Brooklyn. Yeah, that's eh, about it. Yeah, I guess I'm not really. Oh, I'm not about saying. That. No, I hear you. I hear you. Oh, yeah, but I'm just saying in terms of what what's like out like noir. That. I like noir. That I, I, all all noir. It's got style to it. You know what I mean? Yeah. But like, I like it where it's not over stylized. Like where you start getting like everything looks great. Like everything looks perfect. Like like again. Even with the two Jakes in Chinatown, it's dirty. It's noir, but it's dirty. It's L.A. It's a desert. It's real L.A. Yeah. Right. You know, it, that's 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 what I want. That's what I like. 
Um, anything that's like too overstylized, I, I kind of turn off. You don't want an idealized at Los Angeles. When oh, not at all. That's the thing. Not at all. Um, no. So we're talking about the, the problems with it. We're talking about like, you know, the, the, the different use. You, we haven't even used, we use this word a lot, but we haven't used it muddied. But so I have a note here. Did you have the note about the Florida theater? <clears throat> Did you have that note? Okay. So this movie kind of got national attention, like not for not not good mm-hmm. uh, because in Florida, a man came out and complained to the manager that the movie was running out of sequence. Like so, you know, quick. I, I've already no, we've already talked this about this before. But when you put films together, they came in twenty minute reels. You got to splice them together. Yeah, some they splice the reels out of sequence. So the manager checked and it was true. And then he tells them and he's like, you know, this movie's been playing here for three weeks, and you're the first person who noticed that something was wrong. <laughs> I was like, ooh, that's not good. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> so yeah, so I think there's there's definitely truth to what we're saying in terms of what we're feeling when we watched it in terms of just kind of like you said all over the place. It's yeah. just yeah, like like you and you said like the filming like how things look lit differently. Right. I've noticed there are scenes that take place outside, especially when he's talking to his um I don't know what the professional name for it. The guy he has tail everybody, his tailor. Well, he's basically. he's one of his associates. Right. And every time he's outside talking to him, it's lit like it's trying to be a movie from the late 60s, early 70s. Sure. It's got that kind of blown out kind of look. And then there's other scenes outside, like at the golf course or outside at night where it's not lit in kind of an old fashioned. So yeah. like you look at those things, all right, they're trying to go for a callback to like the old school. And then you look now and it's like, wait, they're not. They're trying to go for 90s. Mm-hmm. Like this camera is like filmed like it was the 90s. And then mm-hmm. you look at that camera, it's like. He's going for a style. So what style is he going for? Well, I think that, I mean, not that women were probably talking out of turn. We don't know. I mean, that could have been something like let it wherever you want. You know, he's focusing on the performance and stuff like that. I mean, when you're doing a movie, when any director is doing a movie, you have a, you have a conversation and you, you honestly should have more than just a conversation. You should have a sit down and you should go through the entire script with your cinematographer and explain, okay, and basically sit there and go, what do we want to do for this movie? How do we want to light this movie? How do we want it to look? Right. You know, what style are we going for? Honestly, you know, there's times when like when I'm with somebody and like, let's watch these 10 movies and let's figure out what we want. Like when we were going to do, I can't remember the movie. I think it was, I think it was actually 22 miles when, when we were talking about doing that short, we wanted to light it like a Norman Rockwell painting. Like that's what we wanted it to look like. And so that was in our head, like stuff like that. Like, so you have piece of vision, right? You have to have that vision with a cinematographer in terms of like, this is what I want. And as a director, when you're on set, everything is going towards what you've already talked about. If you don't have that conversation and if you just leave the cinematographer to like, do whatever you need, you're not always, you're going to get something that maybe looks well lit. The scenes will be done well, but they're not going to be any kind of cohesion with the scene. So you're going to have where like, why does it look like, why is the eye light here? Or why is it brighter here? And it's darker over here. Like you're not going to have a consistency and cohesion of your image. And that's going to affect, that's going to like, we're watching it. It's going to pull a trained eye out of the movie. And you're going to instantly be like, what the heck is wrong here? Why? And then you're going to realize 10 minutes have passed and you haven't been paying attention to the plot. And that's what happens. And, yep. and so the, that there needs to be that kind of like get on the same page type of conversation. There's also some inconsistencies with the it's like the script supervisor, I guess, wasn't there because there's the scene where Liberty, right? Liberty, the big guy, uh, the big guy from the big mob guy, Mickey's guy, Liberty, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. When Liberty smacks Jake against the uh, his bar station in his office, he knocks everything over and breaks it. Next scene, when he's with uh, Lillian, he picks up two glasses and he pours them in. And you look, there's two more glasses still on the station. It's like, why is there stuff now? Everything <laughs> was shattered just like 10 minutes ago. Yeah. It, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. It's like there was nobody on set to go, hey, Jack, no, you can't just pour whiskey in the glass. <laughs> they were all broke. No, I want the whiskey. Okay. 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 <laughs> oh, maybe. Maybe that's what happened. Maybe I that's exactly what happened. I don't get it. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot. I mean... Because I picked this movie, or I suggested this movie, and right, I mean, I and I was the one who was like, "Let's do this for season three because I think I'd never knew Chinatown had a sequel, and now I know why I never knew Chinatown." Well, here's the thing: if, if I had seen Chinatown, I think I would. I'd still, even if someone told me the two Jason ain't that good, I'd still want to watch it because I'd still want to see where the characters went. I'd still be interested in finding out what happened. I don't even know right. if you necessarily needed to have Mulray in there at all. I mean. I didn't get the sense that he's been tortured by the the that's, ghosts of past. That's the thing. He yeah. brings it up at the beginning and he never really, other than the scene, the, the 15 minute photo scene, which I'll <laughs> keep bringing up. 
he doesn't really feel affected by it that much mm-hmm. at all. Uh, he's got that conversation at the end with her where he's just like, I just wanted to know you were okay. Mm-hmm. And at the end, it's like, does the past ever go away? And he's just like, well, you know, you got to really work at it. And then he just says, no, it doesn't. And he closes his door. Like, oh, is that right. the lesson we're supposed to learn? And the freeze frame. I, really feel, I feel like we don't. Well, yeah, why does it freeze frame? That's my last note is why he's got the door closed. Nothing's going on in the frame. I don't know. Just, just let it play. I don't like, I don't, I'm not a fan of the freeze frame. Fade out. Yeah. I'm okay with the freeze frame if you want to use it. You know, honestly, I'll tell you, you know why they probably, action. aren't they probably freeze frame? Because they probably cut as soon as you shut the door. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, well, just freeze frame it. And then we'll force it. No one will notice. It's a still shot. Well, I noticed. I noticed. <laughs> Um, well, we're talking about the acting. I, I know you made reference to Harvey Keitel blubbering at the end. I actually liked Keitel in that scene. Oh, I think he's a good actor. I yeah. just think he's I, I'm not saying he didn't portray the emotion realistically. I'm mm-hmm. just saying his relationship with Jake is all over the place. It is. It, which is weird. everybody's relationship with Jake is every. Well, he threatens him on the golf course. He tells him, you know, I have you killed. Uh, yeah. And then like he's like his best bud. When he goes to see him at the end, it's uh, maybe because he tells him, I know that you have cancer and that you're dying. Um, and he's the first one he can open up to about it. I guess. I, I, but I, 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 I think there is, is definitely problematic. It's definitely not. I wouldn't say because Robert Town is a really good writer and I'm not going to say that it's a script, but it's probably between from script to screen at some point stuff happened. Uh, I think Nicholson was rewriting stuff uh, when they did this. I don't know if Town was involved in terms of like, actively involved mm-hmm. when they started the production of the two Jakes. Do you think he rewrote stuff? On I, set? I know that I, I read that Nicholson was rewriting it in terms of just to kind of make things. So, I mean, it feels like that. Yeah, it, it definitely does feel like that. I mean, I don't think anyone's acting is bad. I think it's the story. I think it's needing to connect to China that need to connect to Chinatown. And it's okay to just have Jake continue on. I, I, that's but. It muddies, like, if I may, muddies the story. If I may, and not that I always we always like to bring this up, but they probably don't do they don't do it well enough. But they're doing nothing here that they don't do in any MCU movie where they don't rely on your knowledge of the previous eighteen films. <sighs> Damn, man, we were going one no, episode without bringing just, them up. Well, I'm only bringing them up because they're the biggest they're the biggest purveyors of the world building phenomena, and only and they've and they they're successful. But I'm saying that you are reliant on knowing things from previous movies. You know what I mean? Like, so in this one. Right. But I don't have to watch. And I mean, this is going to be the first time we're actually defending the Marvel movies, which I don't care because I, I enjoy defend, the Marvel I, movies. Well, yeah. on, I never attack them. I, well, I know. But we're always like, oh, you know, no, you're cookie I'm cutter. Attacking them. You're, you're calling me an attacker. Here's what I'll say. Marvel movies do it really well because you don't get that. You, you've, you've seen the movies. They know their audience is large, but also you don't get a 15 minute scene where Thor looks at pictures of Natalie Portman and cries or, you know, you don't, you don't no, get that. I, I just get him playing video games with rock monster. That's, in the last one. I, I gotta get that. It's not a callback to the first movie. It's, it's a callback to the third one. <laughs> <laughs> it's not. What's, what's the word when, when you're so obsessed with the past, they're not, they're not obsessed. <laughs> <laughs> I believe the word you're looking for is obsessed. Obsessed. Yeah. Yeah. You just said, what is a word? You just asked me, what's the word when you uh, so obsessed that's, about that's the past? That's not what I'm thinking. That's okay. not the word I was looking for. Okay. That's what I'm using. All right. Okay. Okay. They're not, they're not so, you know, relying on like, okay, let's, let's look, look at the past. Cause oh man, look at that. Iron Man one was really good. Okay. You don't have like Iron Man isn't dying. And then like, as he's dying, you get this flashback of him, you know, eating the cheeseburger and telling everyone he's Iron Man or hugging. Like you don't get this like mm-hmm. montage you don't need in the film and you don't get eight scenes about characters from the past. Okay. I don't, I don't know. Spider-Man Far From Home. That's my reply to you. That so does you're, it. You are now attacking. I'm attacking, I'm attacking. I'm attacking your. I'm attacking your logic. <laughs> all I. All I'm saying. All I'm saying is that we can't necessarily. We can't necessarily give the two Jakes that much of a. They don't because they don't do it well enough. They don't do it well. But I don't think we can give the two Jakes that much of a you suck kind of thing because they're doing what they're doing now and they did in 1990 what they're doing now in Marvel movies where they're. They do have flashbacks. They do. They did in Spider-Man Far From Home. They talk about the blip. They talk about. Um, they show like when they all come back. You know that old thing. They should. They, like when they all come back from after being rescued for five years and they all just appear. Remember when everyone disappears in uh, the Avengers, the Last oh, Avengers? I remember that. Okay, and then in Spider-Man Far From Home, oh, they, they show a couple sh- of yeah, videos. Like that's what I'm saying. They show stuff. stuff. They do stuff like that. Right. They show the. They show the. Um. They have the behind. They not the behind the scenes. They show the callback to I don't know when. What Iron Man was the one where he was like. He made the technology where it was all like um, 
where he was at his dad's house and he could see his dad again. And he and oh uh, three, yeah, okay, they had that because they had Gyllenhaal in that scene. Oh, no, that was a uh, civil war. I'm sorry, whatever. Yeah. I don't, I, again, I don't. But all I'm all I'm saying is that they do it here. You know, they do it here in the two Jakes. I don't think we can really give the two Jakes too much of a negative because they just didn't do it well. Right. Maybe not because they didn't, not because they tried it, but because it just really didn't. I think you're right. 10 minutes of watching, looking at photos. I know we're exaggerating that time, but right. it wasn't 10 minutes, man. <laughs> um, I mean, I like the, the connecting to Madeline stuff. I like him trying to figure out wait, where Madeline mean, comes from. You mean here. Evelyn? Yes. Yeah. Evelyn, Evelyn Mulray. That's, Mulray. that's, oh, that's just, I'm combining that's, yeah. the M and the, Evelyn, that's yeah. Faye Dunaway's character. Yeah. Evelyn Mon- uh, Mulray. Mulray. Oh my God. <laughs> I keep messing it up now. Cause my God, I thought you were a, a minor in film. <laughs> when he's trying to figure out who Evelyn is and he's like, all right, how does Evelyn connect to this? Uh, I'm okay with that. And the reveal is she's been under his nose the whole time. That that's cool. I like that. Catherine has. Evelyn's the mom. I don't. I'm not good at names. Okay. I told you this. Like, All right. let's pause now. Evelyn, played yes. by Faye Dunaway, is the sister and the mother of Catherine Mulray, who is the daughter of that her Catherine and her father. That Catherine is who I'm talking about. Uh, Cross. Uh, Noah Cross. Well, he's okay? trying to figure out how Mulray's involved, and he's trying to figure it out. I just want to talk about the fact that when I watch Chinatown again, that uh, John Houston, John Houston, yeah, he plays Noah Cross. Um, yes, yes. He is creepy. Like, he is like, my darling, relax. Come with me. Come with me. Don't look. I'm like, oh, God. God. Ugh. All right. We done now? Okay. We good? You know what we're doing? You know what Chinatown's about? What's Chinatown about? I do like how in uh, the two Jakes, he has the scar down his nose the whole time. Oh, that's nice. I, I thought that was that's a good, good touch. I was like, what's one. that? Oh, that's yeah. a scar from Chinatown. Who gave him that scar? Who gave? Oh, come it's on, been, man! So it's come been so on. Long. We, I already mentioned him. I already mentioned him. Roman Polanski gave him that scar. He plays the guy that cuts his uh, nose. Oh, does he play yes. the guy? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you need to watch Chinatown. Again. I haven't seen it since senior year no, high school. You, you like twenty something really, years. You really should watch it. Right. It's really good. Like and but but honestly, you should watch it because then you'll see what I'm what I'm talking about in terms of like how he is in the two Jakes. You'll even but you'll even I, I know you remember, know it. Yeah, I remember. But you'll that, even yeah. be like. Wow, he's really different. Like you'll even notice. I mean, I that. pretty much I texted you like 15 minutes in the movie. Go, listen, I kind of like this, but I don't think he's the same guy. No, yeah, yeah, <laughs> he's Batman. I think was I watching it? I think I was watching at the same time. <laughs> yeah. So Butler needs to see Chinatown again. That's clear. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think we said we always said about the two Jakes. Ooh, we should do. Oh, I just had an idea. What? We should do the two mics. <laughs> Isn't this a two mics? That was the oh, alternate title. Yeah. For this. I do. I tell you what, though, I do want those shoes. I do love those saddles. Those saddles are called. They're either called saddles or bucks. I'm not. I can't remember. The white and black shoes. Uh, the I love them. I love those <laughs> shoes. I. I do you want to put your foot up on the desk? Right well, now? I mean, I. I wore. I had shoes like that when I was in uh, high school. I had. Br- they were brown on brown. They weren't white. They were like light brown. They're suede, and they were like kind of like dark brown and light brown. And I wore them to my interview at the fourplex <laughs> and I got the job because the manager liked my shoes. Really? Yes. Yes. That's not creepy. I'm friends with them now. It's fine. <laughs> I'm fine with it. I'm, I got the job, but whatever it takes to get the job. There you go. <laughs> but yeah, no. So yeah. So yeah, we're good. All right. <laughs> Plug time. All right. You go. All right. I've got Crack on Open with Mike and Elise, a podcast about brews, news, and pop culture reviews where we crack open a different brew every uh, episode. We talk about the brewery, the style of beer, the history of the beer, and what we think about it. And then while we're sipping on that, we talk about the latest pop culture news and reviews, what's on like Hulu, Netflix TV, and the movies, or what's being made right now. So uh, that podcast is available wherever podcasts can be found. We're also on all the social medias at Crack on Open. All the social medias. Mike, what you got going on? Uh, writing, writing, and more writing. Nice. Just writing. I'm actually debating about putting one of my short stories on Wattpad. The ones so, that were going to be the collection? Yeah. I, I Well, I was thinking of like do, making them as a, just as a series so I can put them out and then just kind of if, you know, however they do, I can put them together afterwards. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm debating that. I'm thinking about doing that. So that's it. Honestly, a lot of stuff I do is with the podcast now. I do a lot of stuff here. Um, I know I mentioned that I'm, I'm trying to do a short film. We'll mm. see how that goes. Um, this is, so we should mention because we do record this 
like we what six months in advance six months six weeks six weeks excuse yeah. me six, that we should say to everybody happy thanksgiving because this is this is our thanksgiving, this is thanksgiving episode. Episode. <laughs> oh my god it's not even halloween yeah. yet yeah cool, cool so i i completely so happy gobble, thanksgiving. Gobble. Yeah. so hopefully you guys will listen. well thanksgiving will be tomorrow because it comes out on a wednesday all right so hey please feel free to share this with your with everyone around the table be thankful that you have forgotten cinema in your life we're thankful for you guys, the viewers. Yes, we are. Um, listen, you know what's a great thing to listen to while you're sitting down, uh, too full from turkey and apple pie? Is it Forgotten Cinema? It's Forgotten Cinema. Oh, I guessed it right. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Yes, please. please. We, we, you know, we, we, I don't know what I'm going to say there. <laughs> Spread the love. You're yes. going to be surrounded by a bunch of new people that haven't heard of us, maybe. Let us, let them know about us. Right. And feel free to tell them that, you know, to watch the two Jakes in Chinatown. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, that Chinatown's probably a good Thanksgiving movie. It's really good. Yeah, it is good. And uh, yeah, so also next week, since it's going to be the first week of December, we're not really doing. I wouldn't say we're doing like Christmas or holiday themed. We've got a, we've got a couple of holiday movies planned like will that take place around the holiday. Not all of them, though. But next Most week we will be doing uh, the holiday horror comedy Krampus. That yes. is our next week episode. Um, would you which, call it our festive themed month then? Well, this is what's coming up in the next four days, <laughs> the next four weeks. So we got Krampus, we got Bolt, which is the kids' movie. We got Rare Exports and The Family Man. Three of those four take place around the holiday season, right. not Bolt. So, I guess I mean it's not really like it's not like forgotten horror, like what that was, right? This is it's more a like, looser theme, right? So yeah, so those are now that I've told you the next four. <laughs> next week we'll be doing Krampus, which was written and directed by Michael Doherty, who also did Trick or Treat. Which I love Trick or Treat. Trick or Treat is really good. You should catch that. And Krampus is a very, very similar to like an '80s style horror comedy, like a Gremlins type yes. thing, but a little bit darker than Gremlins, probably. Oh, Although yeah. it is pretty dark when she talks about her father in the chimney. But other than that, pretty pretty. <laughs> um, which so I spoiler alert I like Krampus quite a bit so I hope I hope that you've seen it I know you've seen it I saw it, yeah, yeah so we're good um, but yeah that's it we're gonna be doing Krampus next week nice thanks for listening everybody um, see you soon I'm Mike Field I'm Mike Butler and this has been Forgotten Cinema. <laughs>